Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're live on a Monday morning. Welcome, everybody, to the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, as always, Kevin Parker here. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. little peek behind the curtain for you guys. I'm actually recording this on a Friday going into the weekend. I'll be at a wedding uh, pretty much the whole weekend, so I didn't have time to record. But I want to make sure I keep giving you guys the content on schedule. Again, every Monday and Thursday morning, you can expect a podcast on whatever app that you are listening, Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever it might be. Uh, make sure you follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU, the new Instagram page, Standing Room Spartans. Um, so, you know, hit me up on social media. We did a lot of fun stuff over the end of last week. Uh, we went through uh, the <clears throat> interesting, uh, it kind of blew up a little bit more than I thought it would. Uh, I, I gave out the four main, I guess, the four main alternate jersey combinations that we've had over the last few years um, and said, you know, you can only choose one. So you had, you know, the couple Nike Pro Combats, the the Chrome Helmets, the and then, of course, the, the debacle of last year. Um, I had 18 retweets, 53 responses, 60 likes, just a ton of stuff on there. The, the two Nike Pro Combats were, were probably the most common. The 20, uh, was it the 2015 season with the white numbering, um, the, the gold helmet, the bronze helmets, I should say, and the trim on the side. And then the, what were these, 20, 2013, 2012? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head as I'm looking at it now. But the uh, they had the bronze numbers, the, the green and black jerseys, the bronze and and gold helmet or the the bronze and uh and green helmet um and again a ton of responses the the two pro combats were definitely the favorites of the bunch with the the bronze and gold i uh, i actually had a couple responses for the chrome helmets which was something that you know we we marched those out for a michigan game on the road and i i hated the concept when we came out with it and it just looked cheesy. It looked a little bad, but w- when they really wore it on the field, it, it kind of grew on me a little bit. I didn't mind those. Obviously, the neons were just atrocious, and and there were a lot of people kind of showing love for that. So I ended up going into you know the you know you can only choose one primary white jersey. So you have 
you know, the all whites that we unveiled over the last few years with the white helmets. You have the all white jerseys with the green helmet. And then you have the kind of a little bit more old school with uh, Javon Ringer kind of era where it was a little simpler, right? There was no, um, you know, it was, it was pretty straightforward, green and white. Um, and then you had the, think about like Kirk Cousins, Greg Jones era with the with the green stripe across the shoulder pads, the white stripe down the middle of the helmet. Um, so th- those were all um, in play, got a lot of good responses there. And then, of course, the green jerseys, which was a, a lot of fun as well. So you have, you know, the recent ones here you have, again, kind of think of like the Big Ten Championship I- against Wisconsin, where you have um, the all dark green jersey, the green helmet with the white stripe. And then you had those white pants with with the, the green stripe down the side that was a little a little flashy. I like those were great jerseys. You have kind of the TJ Duckett era, the beginning of that Nike era. Uh, and then <laughs> you go back to, uh, th- there was a photo of the Charles Rogers jersey with, it's maybe the, it's maybe even uglier than the neon jerseys. You had this like kind of pinstripes down the, the shoulder pads. It was just an awkward, awkward look. It was terrible. And then of course the all green jerseys for, you know, you think about the Rose Bowl, the the Ohio State Big Ten Championship game. So we had a lot of fun with that. Follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU for more good stuff, more good content. Um, if it's your first time listening, of course, subscribe. Make sure you go back and listen to some previous episodes. We've been going at this for a couple months now, so there's a lot in the uh, in the old ticker. And uh, if it's, of course not your first time. I appreciate you coming back. Make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts that really helps me out. Subscribe if you haven't already. Now today, um, I have a couple great stuff coming out over the next couple of weeks here. I have an interview that will be coming on Thursday's episode this week with Corey Robinson from Rivals. Uh, An interview, I'm going to sit down with him Um, As you're listening to this on Monday, I'm going to sit down with him tomorrow and really go through some of the, you know, whether it's about COVID and and how Mel Tucker and his staff have adjusted their recruiting strategies, some certain targets to keep an eye on over the next couple of months here as the summer winds to an end. And, you know, some of these 2021 recruits are starting to make their commitments. Who are some guys that we should keep an eye on? You know, all, all these recruits are going out on Twitter now and, you know, hey, here's my top four, here's my top six, and it's impossible to keep up with all these guys. So, you know, I want to give you guys a little, um, from the expert's point of view, right, I, I would love to, I mean, I'm curious to hear a lot of these answers because I'm I'm not a big recruiting guy. I, I follow the guys who commit. I follow, you know, some of the big names who you know, we're at least in the running for when a guy gets down to their top four and we're in there. Okay. Now I'll start paying attention, but man, getting down into a rabbit hole of, of high school recruiting is man that can occupy all of your time. So I don't really get into, to all of that too deep. Um, so, so that's why we're bringing on Corey to, uh, make sure he gets you guys, uh, updated in the recruiting process and what's going on here at Michigan state. So, uh, today, what we decided to do is, uh, you know, I picked up a couple of these college football preview magazines and, 
there's a lot of good nuggets in here. And and Phil Steele's just came out. I haven't bought that one yet. But I got the Athlon College Football Preview. I got the Pick 6 College Football Preview. And they are packed and loaded with some very interesting stats, with some very interesting um, you know, numbers, with some very interesting takes on some of our players that are coming into this year. And I wanted to kind of give some perspective on some of this. So, you know, with with both of them, of course, there's a lot of statistics. Athlon is, I think, more based on as far as the content, it's it's a lot of centered around the players. And, and you know, they have a projected depth chart. They have all of this kind of stuff. And uh, pick six previews, there, there's a lot of analytics. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. So you get little bit of the best of both worlds with these two. And I want to talk a lot about, you know, some of the things that I found very interesting, some new statistics that I've never seen. Uh, And then in Athlon as well, they have anonymous opposing coach quotes. And some of these are fascinating to see what coaches are telling the media behind, you know, basically behind our back, right? They're not putting their name out on it. A couple of them, you can uh, you can read the tea leaves a little bit and see who might be saying some of these. So we'll get to that as well. But I want to start here with the pick six previews because I, I think the anonymous coach quotes are going to be the way that we're going to end off this episode because I do think that's fascinating. So I want to start with pick six previews here. Now, they have Michigan State projected uh, number four five in the Big Ten East. So you have, um, he's projecting Ohio State number one, Penn State number two, Michigan number three, Indiana number four, and Michigan State right behind them coming in fifth in the East division of the Big Ten. Now, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, Indiana has a ton of talent coming back. They got a good coaching staff. They got a good quarterback if he can stay healthy. Um, but you know, number five in the big 10 East, number 52 overall in the country. Um, it, it's going to be a tough year now. Now this was published, I think right in the midst of coronavirus. So we didn't have the information that in both of these, I guess that, that the big 10 was going to release this 10 game conference only schedule. Um, but most of these, you know, it doesn't really impact a whole lot of the of the content. But some really interesting things that Pick Six Preview does, and one of them is the game grader. So, so he basically goes through um, and and shows what. And this is by uh, I want to make sure I get the name right. Brett, 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 Brett's. Ciencia, Brett Ciencia, Brett Ciencia. I I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but he does a, a lot of analytics, like I said, but he also does like a game grader. So he'll go through and and if you follow like pro football focus and those guys, so they'll go through and, and kind of grade you on each play, uh, which which is interesting because it gives you, you know, of course you have the win loss and, and of course you have, you know, hey, he threw an interception. That's probably a bad play. Uh, but when he goes into this game grader, he, he does a lot of different uh, things with it. So, you know, who are you playing against? How are you beating this team, right? Are, are, you, are you beating them, you know, just by time of possession and, and really just laying the hammer down on them? Or is it a lucky win that, that you really didn't deserve? 
Um, you, you know, you have a lot of these kind of analytics and um, he goes into all of this. And so I wanted to kind of start there with, with the game grader because he talked about uh, the 2019 season and, and does, does the game grader for each of these games that we played last year. And he also does the top five for the last few years. So your, your five best games according to the game grader and the five worst games, which is really interesting because we know as fans, you can kind of predict some of the ones that would be on there, right? Um, of of a great win or or a, just a horrible loss, and you say, "Man, we played like shit that game." That that's one of the worst games that I've ever seen Michigan State play, right? And, and you can kind of guess what some of those might be. So, um, I, I want to kind of start there. So, when you look at 2019, uh, the when he goes through each of these games, now of course this is graded, you know, on on a zero to one hundred scale. So you start off the season. Uh, 81 grade against Tulsa, 86 against Western Michigan, 65 against Arizona State. So not terrible, but, um, you know, not great. Then 73, 79, the next couple games. And you get a real snapshot of where we were. We were four and one. We were ranked. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of hope at that point of the season, right? We lay an egg against Ohio State. That was an 8.2 on the game grade. We lay a bigger egg against Wisconsin. That was a 1.1 on the game grader scale. 25 against Penn State in a loss. 45 against Illinois in a loss. 2.8 against Michigan. Um, and, and then it kind of ticks up from there as we win the last three games of the season. But, you know, it, it really just it, it puts a number on what we kind of already knew. Now, when you look at the last five years, the top five games, so number one at a 99.7 was Washington State in the Holiday Bowl. Now, that's one I completely agree with. I mean, that was basically a flawless game across the board. That was Brian Lewerke's best game that he played at Michigan State. I, I really believe that. The defense was on them all game long. I mean, that that was just a truly dominant, dominant performance the second one on there, 2015 Penn State. That was a 55 to 16 win. Christian Hackenberg and Penn State um, were, were really no match. That was just kind of over from the beginning. Now, an interesting one here: the the third highest in the last five years, 2015 Michigan. And and again, this is something where if you're on Michigan State Twitter and you are interacting with Michigan fans all the time. You know, they they'll always bring up this fluke win, this this garbage win, this, you know, didn't deserve it win. And this just again goes to prove our point that we've been trying to make for years and that we definitely deserve to win that game and yeah, the way that it it happened and the way that game finished, you could say it was a little bit fluky, but at the end of the day, when you dig into the stats in that game, we outgained them by over 150 yards of offense. We doubled them up in first downs. We had time of possession battle one. We had no turnovers. I mean, that was just one of the best games that we played in the last five seasons. And just the way that it came down to uh, at the end, I, I mean, you could say it's fluky if you want, but but we dominated that game from beginning to end. So I, I don't really... It's an interesting, interesting talking point because, again, you you can kind of look at that as a fluky win, but it's number three in the game grader over the last five seasons. So, 
Um, twenty seventeen Maryland or uh, twenty seventeen Rutgers. That was a forty to seven win. I I don't know all these Rutgers games. I don't really care. Twenty eighteen Maryland. That was the the game where Connor Hayward went for one hundred fifty yards and a couple touchdowns. Now the five worst of the last uh, five years. The worst at zero point four on the game grader. This was twenty seventeen Ohio State, a game that I think was the most outmatched that Michigan State has ever looked in that in that matchup in that rivalry. So uh, that one definitely deserves to be on there. Of course, we have last year against Wisconsin, the thirty eight to nothing shutout. I think we had like two first downs in that game. Uh, twenty nineteen Michigan is on there as well. 2.8 uh 2015 Alabama that was a 3 uh, on the scale and then at 8.2 we have 2019 again um Ohio State so three games from 2019 zero games from 2016 which is quite interesting but um some more statistics i just want to kind of jump into real quick here just to mention when you look at the 2019 uh stats here you have the offensive and the defensive ranks. And I just want to read off a couple of these that are not going to be tremendously surprising to you, but scoring offense, points per play, yards per play, rushing offense, yards per carry, explosive rushes, QB rating, TD to INT ratio, explosive passing, all below 100th in the country. Then you also had first down yards per carry at 99th. You also had total offense at 95th. I mean, there was just basically nothing good. They were 15th in sacks per attempt. So I guess, you know, that's nice. (laughs) But man, it was just everything was bad. And then you turn around on the defensive side. We were top 20 in total defense. We were top 20 in rushing defense. Yards per carry, negative play percentage. We were top 40 in in basically every defensive statistic. So um, it just goes to show you, again, what we already knew in that the defense did the best they could, but, man, this offense just held us back. Um, And uh, the the one last thing that I want to get to with this that they do a really good job of that I think is fascinating is they have a, a player development a metric and a win conversion metric. Now the player development metric, he takes the recruiting ranks. So your average recruiting ranking in, in the 24 seven composite from 2013 to 2016. And he compares those to your draft output in 2017 to 2020. Now what this does is it basically gives you an idea of what kind of recruits are you bringing in And then how are you developing those recruits to NFL players? So, for example, Iowa, I know, is in the top two or three in this metric because they're bringing in two and three star guys and they're just an NFL factory over there. Um, Whereas someone like Alabama, they're not in the top couple because their recruiting classes are always number one or two. So even though their draft output is also number one or two, it, it kind of levels out. So Michigan State was 64th in this metric. Now, I would be curious to see if you brought this back a few more years and said instead of 13 to 16, if we went 2010 to 2013 and then we did the re- the draft results from 
2014 to 2016. I think that would be really interesting to see really when you have our, our Darquez Denard, our Trey Waynes, and some of those guys included. Uh, because it, when you look at it this way, it, it doesn't really show you some of the the player developments that that D'Antonio had even looking at like Connor Cook he was drafted in the fourth round Jeremy Langford wasn't a big time recruit he was drafted in the fourth or fifth round Um, you have a lot of those guys that were drafted a little bit before 2017 so while that's definitely taken a dip and there's a number of reasons for that I would be really curious to see you know, around those draft classes from 10, 11, 12, 13 range and see how that would change things. Now, you also have the win conversion. It's basically quite similar. You have the recruiting rankings this time from 2011 to 2019. So you have a little bit bigger of a sample size here versus your wins from 2015 to 2019. So that, of course, includes our 2015 playoff season, uh, as well as the 2017 double-digit win season. Um, and we're 28th in the country there. So, you know, definitely in the upper third uh, of, you know, converting lower-rated recruits to uh, to wins. And, of course, you know, that's not still not including 13 and 14, but, you know, we, we do what we can. So a um, couple interesting things here to finish it off with, with pick six previews. Again, they're game grader. They're ranking some of these teams by year, uh, you know, by the end of the year. So 2019, we were 28th in the country with the average game grader. Um, 2018, we were 24th in the country. So slipping inside the top 25, 2017 at 15th, um, 2016, of course, down to 50th. 2015, 16th in the country, 2014, 7th in the country, 2013, 6th in the country. And that's something that Scott and I talked a little bit about a couple weeks back, where if if we got to choose, basically, we got to pick and choose which MSU team from that era got to play in the playoff, 2015 wouldn't be that team. And this, again, goes to show you to kind of back that up. 2015, we were 16th in the country with an average grade of 64. 2014, that average grade was 76. 2013, 75. So you know, up about 10 points and up about 10 spots in the country, that's a pretty big difference between, you know, just how dominant we were in a given game against what type of competition and, and all that stuff. So um, that that was something that was interesting to kind of put some numbers behind what we've been kind of trying to say for, for the last couple of weeks here. Um, now, jumping over to Athlon again, you know, this is kind of focused more on on some of the player side and and depth charts. I think they they speak to a few more coaches. They have a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a budget to kind of put this thing together. Now, Athlon, you know, a couple just of the this main points here. They're key Spartans, so they had three picks of key players going into the year. Antoine Simmons, hard to hard to argue there. Elijah Collins, again, hard to argue with that one. Kevin Kevin Jarvis was their third pick. Um, I would probably go, I mean, I, I don't hate that. That that's not a bad pick there. Kevin Jarvis, probably the most talented offensive lineman that's projected to start if he's healthy. But I, I would probably go Jacob Panishuk as the lone returning starter on the defensive line. That's that's a really key player. Uh, Xavier Henderson, again, trying to keep together that 
secondary that's losing a couple pieces. Um, let's see here. I, I I think those would probably be the number number three guys. Key losses: Brian Lewerke, Kenny Willickis, Josiah Scott, rising star Jaden Reed out of Western Michigan, of course, transferring in and is eligible for the first time this year. Now they also bring in some advanced stats, and I won't read through all of these, but a couple that stood out from 2019. We were 23rd in defense explosiveness, so basically limiting explosive plays, limiting you know 20 plus yard plays. Um, but really, all of these stats, we were kind of in the middle of the pack, towards the, the second third of the pack. Um, defensive efficiency, we were up there as well. But you know, when you look at uh, offensive efficiency, field position finishing drives uh everything we're basically middle of the pack and and again it just goes to show like that this team's been kind of boring and and there's just hasn't been a lot of energy and this just again is it's another thing to put a number behind some of those feelings now they did have a projected depth chart uh, there was a couple spots i think were interesting here at quarterback they project peyton thorne to start which i i love to see that they again they're talking to a lot of coaches before they put these together so hopefully they they heard a couple nuggets that you know maybe he's the leader in the clubhouse because of his his skill set um i i just desperately don't want rocky lombardi starting please please uh offensive line ajr curry jd duplain matt allen kevin jarvis jordan reed not really very surprising they do have julian barnett at wide receiver i, I think at this point, it's pretty clear that he's going to move to the defensive backfield. But, you know, they have him listed behind Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, and Trey Mosley as our starting trio. Um, the defense is about exactly what you'd expect, as well as the special teams. So uh, the last thing I want to talk about here, again, is is some anonymous coach quotes. And, and some of these, some of these I kind of agree with, but some of them you can read the tea leaves a little bit and see what... Uh, people are saying so uh, I'm going to give the direct quote and then I'm going to respond there's a there's a handful of these so direct quote this is the big unknown in the league there was a lot of talk about Mark D'Antonio stepping down after the off-field stuff started to build I think a lot of us watching the hiring process from the outside and it showed you this program is desperate and there's probably more going on there with scandals and the NCAA than we know end quote um, Jim Harbaugh, you can go ahead and put your name behind that one, bud. You know, um, it's, it's pretty clearly trying to bring some negative publicity into our program. It's somebody that we're clearly recruiting against for a couple of kids. And it's just ridiculous. I mean, it, to go out there and, and say, quote, uh, let's see, quote, this program is desperate and there's probably more going on there with scandals and the NCA than we know. I mean, come on, man. Like there is no evidence to show any of this and to just throw around the term scandals and more going on there and desperate. I think that's irresponsible. I think that's just I I don't blame Athlon for publishing it. Uh, certainly, I get it. You know, you're you're trying to get views, and and this is certainly a, a controversial take that that you're going to get some views from. But man, that's just it. It's sad that that some coach has to go out there and 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 put 
you know, I don't know what kind of questions were asked leading up to this, of course, but, you know, to go out there and just throw out something like, you know, hey, the, you know, look, D'Antonio stepping down, watching the hiring process is interesting. Fine. OK, it is a big unknown. But, you know, to go out there and say we're desperate and there's the scandals that we there's more than we know, like, OK, if there's more than we know, where where's that information? Where's the evidence? Where's anything to point to that? So that's just a coward response. That's a coward answer. And, and it drives me nuts. Um, second one here, direct quote again, quote, this is the big 10 team you would think is most affected by coronavirus. They haven't had any time to install on either side of the ball. Just looking at Colorado from a distance, the base concepts on offense are going to be very different for the kids. Pretty simple. I, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. It's something we've talked about with a new coaching staff and no spring practice. It's, it's tough gig. And I hope Mel can figure it out and put this thing together, but um, definitely agree with that one. That's a pretty reasonable thing to say about uh, this team going into the year. Quote, the offense was a total wreck. They resisted evolving with the times for so long that it was too late by the time they did it. They're going to be Saban type on defense, and they've got a better chance at installing more of the defense than the offense. Uh, yeah, uh, can't argue that. I mean, offense is a total wreck, resisting evolution. I mean, that's something we've complained about for damn near five years now. So um, whoever said this, they they have their their pulse, the finger on the pulse a little bit. I think, you know, they they know what we're dealing with here, so... Um, Saban type on defense, of course, Mel Tucker coming from the Nick Saban coaching tree. So, you know, that's not really that surprising. Uh, again, you know, coaching under Saban and then coaching at Georgia on defense under Kirby Smart, who was Nick Saban's defensive coordinator. So not really too surprising there. Quote, because this is an in uncharted experience, you would think they're going to be really, really plain on offense to start the year. Go vanilla, try to take it slow, and play defense. Uh, I'm going to guess this is from Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, you know, we're playing them the first week of the year, and I'm guessing that he's hoping that we come out really plain and vanilla on offense to start the year, take it slow, play some defense. So um, th this was one where I just kind of laughed as I was reading it and thinking, yeah, it's probably, uh, it's probably Pat Fitzgerald hoping that there isn't really much of a complex game plan for him to worry about. Um, so that, that one was interesting, but again, something that I don't disagree with. I mean, especially on offense, a lot of these things, it, it's a lot of timing that you have to get down. It's, it's a lot of stuff that's difficult to really put together, um, in a short period of time without the experience of being on the field and practicing this in person. And, and again, getting the timing down between the quarterback and the receivers, getting the timing down between, you know, the running back hitting the holes and the offensive line, opening them up. So, um, I, I definitely don't disagree with that one. And this one, uh, direct quote from James Franklin, I mean, uh, anonymous Big Ten coach. The expectations are the big question here. The amount of money they spent on Mel Tucker says they expect to be a Rose Bowl team in the future. But it's such a different Big Ten than even five or six years ago when they were clicking. They didn't cut that big of a check to win seven or eight games a year. Uh, again, it, I think this one's either James Franklin or Jim Harbaugh, right? Uh, you know, the, the teams that were a little bit down when we were dominating the Big Ten. Um, 
I think it's clearly one of those two. Uh, you know, I don't think this is Ohio State because they've been up the whole time. Um, I think this is Harbaugh or, or James Franklin trying to say, hey, yeah, that, that was lucky. I hope you enjoyed your run while we were down. And that's the only reason, you know, that you were any good. And, and we've been hearing this for Michigan fans for years. But I think Penn State, we're, we're not as involved with their fan base, obviously. But I think that's a sentiment that they would echo in saying, well, come on. I mean, yeah, you you won the Big Ten a couple times. That's nice. But let's be honest here. You know, that that was when we weren't we weren't our best. And that's why you were great. So, um, again, just, you know, hey, add some fuel to the fire. I'm sure these a couple of these quotes are up on a bulletin in Mel Tucker's office. You know, I, I don't mind that. So. You know, again, uh, going into a wedding this weekend, I wanted to make sure I got an episode out there for you guys um, and just thought, you know, as I was reading through a couple of these magazines that are fantastic and I highly recommend purchasing Athlon Sports, Pick 6 Previews, they're, they're both quite cheap. They're both hours and hours of content, even if you're just interested in the Big Ten side of things. They have a ton of stuff for you there, so... Um, definitely take a second and dig into that. Uh, before I actually finish up, I wanted to mention something I forgot about is uh, Athlon Sports also had their all Big Ten teams and a couple interesting things here. So I, I guess I'll read this off real quick here before we finish up. So the all Big Ten teams, there were a couple Michigan State players on here. You had nobody on the first team, which, you know, not really that surprising. Second team defense, Antoine Simmons. Third team offense, Elijah Collins on running back. Uh, third team defense, Jacob Panishuk on the defensive line. Um, while we're at it here, I guess we might as well run through pick six previews. Let me pull this up. Uh, we'll take one second to go through it just to highlight again what what they it's always interesting to see, right? If if you can kind of tell as you're reading through this of how much research they've done into your program and, and, you know, stuff that you think they got right or wrong, but, um, pick six previews. They have third team defense, Jacob Panishuk, Antoine Simmons, and Xavier Henderson all on the third team. Uh, and Elijah Collins as a third team running back. So no first or second team players, um, and one thing that I forgot to mention as well here, uh, Big Ten unit ranks. So this is the last thing I'll talk about. Going back to pick six previews. Um, sorry for the confusion out there, but uh, the they ranked every unit in the Big Ten. So, for example, you go through quarterback. They said, you know, you're not even just looking at the starter. You're looking at the guy behind him as well. And Ohio State, of course, is number one in the Big Ten for quarterbacks. Um, but Michigan State, we'll just run through really quick. It's pretty sad. Uh, quarterback group, 14th, last in the Big Ten. That's behind Rutgers. That's behind Maryland. That's behind all these guys. Which, um, look, uh, Rutgers probably should be back there, but Rutgers also has eight quarterbacks on the roster. They they have a bunch of transfers coming in, so I guess they have a, a couple more darts to throw at the dartboard. I guess maybe that's the uh, the philosophy behind that. Running backs, we were eighth in the Big Ten. I think the running back group should be a little bit higher. I think Eli Collins as a young player, you know, behind him, Ant Williams showed some promise, uh, Brandon Wright. So I, I think that should be, you know, maybe closer to the five or six range, you know, maybe 
along with like Indiana, Wisconsin, Nebraska. I think we, we could argue us over a couple of those teams. Wide receiver and tight end number 12 in the Big Ten. Again, I, I could argue maybe 9 to 10. You know, I'm not asking for top five here, but um, I think our wide receiver tight end group is actually quite strong. And I know there's a lot of good groups in the conference, but, you know, we're, we're at number 12. Number 11 is Wisconsin, who's without Quintus Cephas, without, you know, some of their better players over the last couple of years. Uh, number 10 was Maryland. I, the, that's not a skill group that really excites me. Nebraska at number nine, they lost J.D. Spielman, their best receiver over the last couple of years. Uh, Illinois at eight. I mean, I, I think you could argue us over a couple of those teams as well. Offensive line, number 11 in the Big Ten. Not really that surprising. Defensive line, number seven, which is is you know right at the halfway mark. With losing three of our starters, it, it goes to show you how much talent this group has had. Still having Naquan Jones in there, Jacob Panisuk coming back as a starter. Um, the depth is definitely a question mark, but I think you could say that about a lot of schools in the Big Ten right now, losing um, some defensive line talent. Linebackers, number 11. Again, Antoine Simmons is a stud, but I've mentioned a few times on this podcast that I don't really know what we have behind him, and I'm not too confident in it, so... Um, you know, I can't disagree with that. DB's number 12 in the conference, a lot of inexperience. So, I mean, it's, it's again, you know, it's hard to argue. So I just wanted to make sure I hit on that before we got out of here. So have yourselves a fantastic Monday. Hope everybody again had a good, safe weekend. Hopefully my hangover is not too bad. And, uh, you know, talking to future me here. And uh, again, look forward to on Thursday, an interview with Corey Robinson of Rivals. You're not going to want to miss that. So subscribe if you haven't already. Hope you have yourselves a great week. Take care, folks.